Welcome back, everybody, from me, Tim Cagle, to the Real Madrid podcast. Now, don't forget, you can catch up with all of the previous editions of the podcast via the website at www.realmadridpodcast.com or via any of the major streaming providers, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, and Alexa. The squad, as we know, is currently on vacation. They return on August 31st. So it's the perfect time, really, to look back at the last year or so and discuss the team and what the future potentially holds in store. Joining me to do it is a longtime friend of ours. It's the Madrid voice from B in Sports, ESPN and Fox Sports. It is Phil Shane. And in part one today, we're going to be looking at the back four on the defensive midfield. Phil, it's an odd situation that we find ourselves in here. Had this season finished normally, the exit in Champions League would have been followed by the success in winning the La Liga title. Everybody would have gone away with a little bit of a spring in their step, ready to plan for next season. But instead, we had the Champions League exit. We see Lyon beat Manchester City. We see Barcelona humiliated by Bayern Munich. And going into the summer recess, there's a feeling of disappointment. But overall, I think the season has been a largely successful one. Would you agree? Especially the way it ended. And uh, I know what you're saying. Basically, because the Champions League game would have been earlier in the calendar and uh, the fantastic closeout, uh, the final 11 games where the only points dropped were meaningless points in the final game. So I, I agree with you. It would have been phenomenal, and Zinedine Zidane would have had a huge amount of momentum. Uh, a lot of people would have said, well, you know what, if this Madrid played that Man City uh, now, but then again, we know what happened. Although it is, again, in bizarro world, because no one really knows what's going on. I mean, when Rudy Garcia can get Leon to this stage, you know something is going on uh, that's a little unusual. So I-, I think there have been some phenomenal games, some great stories, some amazing drama. But there is an asterisk on this, not to take away anything, just to point out the fact that this has been a very, very strange campaign. Do you think that... Zidane's tactics on the night against Manchester City were too cautious. I would say that's a very good point. Um, Although there's other things, and you probably have a little more knowledge than I do. It it just surprised me. Uh, I know you probably wanted to play Aiden Hazard because of all the big money and the fact that as good as he was in between injuries there really wasn't a whole bunch of payoff. So maybe you figure this is the chance to cash in the chips. Uh, and when he is on, he's phenomenal. However, I think that during that 11-match run, Isco was by far, uh, somewhat surprisingly, but Isco was by far uh, the more dangerous and maybe most dangerous of the creators on this team. A few chances for Modric to step up, and obviously Benzema does what he does. Uh, but then you also look at Rodrigo coming in and Vinicius not even getting onto the field. It, it just boggles my mind. Maybe there was something going on behind the scenes. I mean, we, we know that Zinedine Zidane tries to make sure that all discipline is done behind closed doors. He doesn't want to show up his players. He gets his message across. He lets people know who's boss, but he doesn't want to, to air the laundry out in public. So maybe there was more to it than I would have thought, but I if, if it was me... 
I could have easily seen a couple of changes in the starting lineup, even to the point, and you're talking about the cautious nature, probably a more uh, legitimate defense could be made of what was going on at left back uh, because I think Mendy has taken over as the number one left back for this Real Madrid squad. But if you're trying to change things, if you're trying to put a team under pressure, uh, I, I think that Marcelo is the more dangerous. I think Mendy has more physical tools. He's good at getting down the line, but Marcelo has the intangibles um, and, and and the flair. The one thing that might have changed that was the absence of Sergio Ramos and mm-hmm. maybe didn't want to give Rafa Varane too much to worry about. Um, Militao has looked good at times, shaky at times, and, and maybe he kind of figured, let's just have him worry in one direction rather than both. Uh, but then, of course, the ultimate irony is the fact it was Varane who ends up with the goat horn. So uh, if Ramos was healthy, maybe he puts a few more chips on the table. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll never know. If we look back over the uh, the course of, of that season, the defense had a lot of uh, light shone on it in that Champions League game against Manchester City. But 25 goals only conceded in 38 league games it's a very solid defense i mean Varane just had a particularly bad night on that night i mean it's never going to be repeated again but if you're looking forward to the the upcoming uh, season is there a need for additional support for that back four tough question i i guess of course, in my mind, the answer is yes. But how much and where? Uh, as I mentioned, Mendy seems to have taken over, and I think that'll be even more so. Does Marcelo leave? Uh, it seems like everyone wants to go to Juventus at the moment. Why not? Uh, but I, I kind of have a feeling Marcelo sticks around for at least one more year, uh, especially the way the economy is right now, uh, where he might be guaranteed a little bit more at Real Madrid and then a chance to move with a... Uh, a bigger payday next year when the world gets a little closer to normal. Uh, You look at Sergio Ramos. Does he hold firm on wanting two years? Does Real Madrid bend? Uh, There's no way he's going to leave, though, is there? Let's be honest. I I don't think so at the moment. But again, he's made noise that he wants a multi-year deal. Real Madrid has the the tradition of not offering multi-year at his age. And we've seen... Real Madrid in the past, and you don't have to go that far back, but I mean, you look at Iero, you look at Raul, you look at Iker Casillas. Um, this is a team that, when it has a line in the sand, will not cross it. So I do agree with you. I think that they'll hold on to him, especially considering the fact that he, uh, statistically at least, had a career year. Um, and it wasn't just from the penalty spot, he was scoring from the run of play. It wasn't exactly the Ramos time uh, era but he did show up more often than not. Um, I think Vadan showed a resurgence, but still a worrying tendency to uh, to stumble at times. Uh, Eder Militao, still, what, 21, going to be 22, uh, can grow into the role. A lot of the question depends also, who do they bring back? I don't think Hakimi's coming back. Uh, does Vallejo, do they get Odriozola back? What about uh, Reguilón? Well, Vallejo has gone to, yeah. uh, he's at Granada now. He's going to be another mm-hmm. year there. 
Audrey Zola, it looks as if he's going to be coming back. Uh, another player who's been getting a lot of uh, attention over the last couple of weeks is Reggie Long, who, mm-hmm. at least as, a, as an attacking forward, you talked about Mendy's uh, physicality and his speed at getting up and down that flank, and I don't think that's in question. His end product, maybe, is Reggie Long, on the other hand, his defending's a bit questionable, but going forward... Very threatening. I agree. I, I think very similar players in both aspects. I, I think maybe you're shortchanging Reguilon a little bit defensively. He, he's not a world-class defender. He's a pest. Mm. Um, and I think as he matures, he'll get a little more solid. Unfortunately, sometimes uh, in life, not just in football, the best teacher is a mistake. Um, and I think he's learned from it. I think he was a lot more solid for Sevilla. Of course, then again, maybe the pressure was off a little bit. If he does return, it would probably be to back up Mendy at a, as a player that young. Does he want to limit himself to maybe 15, 20 games? Uh, or would he rather stay in Sevilla? Would Real Madrid rather he stay in Sevilla for at least one more season? Mm. So I, I could see that. Um, I do think there could be moves for one more center back. Just as I said, uh, we looked at Varane with uh, maybe not the 100% certainty that we had seen in his potential when he first came in. We looked at Militao, uh, who has not quite gotten his feet underneath him, and Ramos again, not getting any younger. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him make one move there. And as you mentioned, with with, uh, Odriozola perhaps coming back. That does give him a little bit more flexibility. So I think you have that, uh, plus you have Casemiro in the middle. Um, I do think they might try and shore that up a little bit. Kroos will probably get a chance. You also look at Valverde, again, in that potential role. I don't know if Modric is going to stick around through his 36th year on this planet. Uh, but I... and. I Were don't you know surprised? if they really replaced Llorente. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I, again, I, I do think that they do need one more, maybe not lock solid, but probably more of a veteran journeyman rather yeah. than a potential player in the back line. Were you surprised that Hakimi was allowed to go? I mean, they got reasonable money for him, mm-hmm. uh, but he'd had an exceptional couple of um, seasons away and it was considered that he would come back and he would be competition for Danny Carvajal uh, that's now off the agenda um, and Hakimi has gone to Italy as we uh, as we know and mm-hmm. it's going to be a tough old time for him over there but it was a surprise to see a player so young with such potential and I know they've got the buyback uh, possibility but do you think that was a mistake to let him go? No, only because uh, we're talking about a guy, the, the criticism you had for Reguilon, I think is even more so with Ashraf Hakimi. Uh, and again, a local kid came up through La Fabrica, so that's a little bit different where, where there's a, some pride in the system. But it's a guy that had shown defensive frailties, even at Dortmund, maybe not as much, but maybe that's because he wasn't as much under pressure, but was a very attack-oriented player who had something as an end product. So uh, if anything, I'm a little bit more surprised that Dortmund didn't make more of a push. Uh, But when you're looking at Real Madrid, 
uh, we've kind of already talked about the fact they already have Odriozola, and I think, if anything, Carvajal cemented himself, uh, and he's still relatively young, heading into his prime. So you're looking at a guy who probably has two to three more years near the top of his game with another youngster behind him, plus a Militao, who, in all honesty, at the moment might be more suited, more solid playing out on the right rather than in the middle, uh, I think that they're covered. I agree with you 100%. Hakimi is a, is value, a good prospect. I might disagree a little bit in Italy. It all depends. This is a, a country that kind of has two philosophies of fullbacks um, where you do have the lockdown guy who's not too adventurous, but then you also do have the Candreva type or the, mm, the yeah, yeah. Uh, Quadrado type who pretty much is a wing more than even a wing back. Uh, and I think he could fill that role quite well. It will be a learning experience, but he's proven the ability to adapt, and uh, I think he'll get it done there. And if he does, and something happens to Carvajal or Odriozola doesn't quite get the job done, um, for Real Madrid, the money to buy him back is nothing. It's just change in the pocket. Midfield. This is an area uh, which is causing plenty of discussion. Uh, beginning with Carlos Casemiro, there is talk of uh, potential extension to his contract. He was quoted as saying, it's going to be difficult. He's only 28 years of age. His contract runs until June of 2021. Should he be offered an extension to his contract or should they be looking now to move on? Because again, his errors are tending to be highlighted more in key games. Tough question because I think when you look at, especially this uh, stretch run that led to the La Liga crown, uh, the ability of Casemiro to step out every game every two or three days and still get a good end product in the most part. Um, I, I think arguably some of those blunders that you talk about are perhaps a little bit due to age, a little bit slowing down, maybe even a little bit more maturity, although we are still talking about a guy who's never been ejected. Plenty of yellow cards, but he's never, he's never painted the door red. Um, I think it has something perhaps to do with not having the confidence in the players behind him that he might have in years past, and maybe not getting the help and support that he has in years past from his fellow midfielders. Modric um, and Kroos still very, very good when they're on. Kroos maybe arguably, at least offensively and leadership-wise, at the top of his game, but both of them are just a little bit slower, and maybe Casemiro getting left um, on an island a little bit much. I, I think... You're looking at a team that had Courtois, Ramos, Casemiro, and Benzema as its spine. And there are not many better in the world of football. Mm -hmm. So I, I think you still have to rely on Casemiro for another um, because there aren't many that are better that are out there. However, I do agree, as I said, in a different look. And you take a look at what Diego Simeone did. He, cre he, he created a much more attractive player uh, with Marcos Llorente, but I think that Zidane probably could have used him in the defensive role that he had at Real Madrid this year, and I don't know if they quite replaced him. Valverde, who seems like he would be a good, solid fit for that position, 
never really looks as good there as he does playing, say, in that Modric role or in the cross role. So maybe they do still need to keep looking for uh, another midfielder. I think Kroos sticks around. Um, Modric, again, I doubt it just because the money that it would be to pay for his salary in what will likely be more and more limited time and from a player who's still at his game uh, could go to almost any other team on the planet and be a regular starter. I don't think he really wants to share as much. So I'd be a little bit more surprised there. Isco is another one. That will be interesting to see what happens. I think Hamas will probably be gone if on loan, at least, if not sticking around. So there's the possibility of Isco. But with Odegaard coming in, how does this shake things up? I mean, do you go with a diamond? If that happens, what do you do with Hazard? Do you kind of convert him into almost a De Bruyne type, a Silva type? Uh, so there, there's a ton of questions. And, and unlike with their arch rivals, there's a lot of answers. Maybe you don't really know which one's the most plausible, the most feasible, the most uh, potential, but Zidane has a lot to work with. Um, maybe not back to the days of the Galacticos as far as the talent, but he's never been that type of manager. He likes to take what he has um, and mold it to what he needs. And I think there's still plenty of answers in the midfield right now with what they have, and especially with Odegaard coming in. If anything, it's just trying to find the right shape. Did Zidane want to bring Odegaard back? I mean, his name has been talked about and discussed almost every season now for the past uh, two or three. It was considered that he would stay at, uh, at Sociedad. Do you think the reason that he came back is because they aren't going to be making any investments in any other new players, so significant investments I'm talking about? I mean, they're looking to get rid, obviously, of, of James Rodriguez, Um and obviously, there's the Gareth Bale situation, there's the Isco situation. Is Odegaard going to have a significant role to play, or is he going to be going on the bench? Well, Zidane is the, is the person who put in the advice to bring him back, if you believe some of the reports. Uh, so I think Zidane would also realize that to bring Odegaard back and lock him to the bench is not as valuable as leaving him at Sociedad. Maybe this is also the possibility to move him to a different team. You kind of bring him back, get a chance to work with him a little bit, at least as much as you can in this uh, bizarro world, uh, and perhaps send him out before the window closes somewhere else to, to maybe polish up a few more aspects of his skill, which in my mind I think would probably be more solid, unless you know Modric is gone, Isco is gone, um, and and Odegaard kind of slots in, and you know he's going to get at least 25 to 30 starts. Uh, he is easily uh, ready for that number of starts. Um, but if you're going to limit a player of his age and his ability uh, to the odd, errant Luis Vasquez-type role, uh, you're really crippling what could be a superstar of a player. So, uh, again, from everything I've heard, Zidane is the man that said, let's get him away from Donostia, bring him back to Madrid. Um, and Zidane is the one, if also, if you believe the reports, has been the one telling Florentino Perez, um, no, you don't need to pull out the checkbook. I mean, really, just the Aiden Hazard signing, uh, you could argue, even in the entirety of both versions of Zinedine Zidane, uh, the really only big money move 
that that Real Madrid have made. He he likes what Real Madrid has. He likes uh, what they're producing, um, and he's able to turn it into a winner in the Champions League before in the league this year. And again, this is a, a young team that still has room to grow, and I think that they'll be challenging on all three fronts again next year. And that's where we're going to leave it for today. But in part two, we're going to be looking at the Brazilian contingent and in particular, the forwards. Is this going to be Jovic's breakout year? Will we see Gareth Bale or Mariano play any role at all? Join us then next Monday when we'll discuss all of those things in part two. For the moment, though, from me, Tim Cable, thanks for joining us and goodbye for now.